I think that Seattle's ready. We've been doing some pretty good work out in the community. And as Devin said, whenever we talk about this idea of municipal broadband, um, people get excited. Hello, you are listening again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. And this is Lisa Gonzalez. Recently, the city of Seattle has renewed its efforts to improve connectivity for residents and businesses. City leaders have started the process of serious inquiry into the possibility of establishing a municipal broadband utility. As the city moves forward, a group led by citizen activists called Upgrade Seattle has offered valuable support. In addition to educating the public, the group has worked with city leaders to find answers and establish alliances with other like-minded communities. This week, Chris talks with Sabrina Roach. Devin Glazier, and Karen Toring from Upgrade Seattle. Be sure to check out UpgradeSeattle.com to learn more about the group and their effort to help the city achieve better connectivity. We enjoy bringing you the Community Broadband Bits podcast each week. As you know, it's commercial-free, but it isn't free to produce. Please take a moment to contribute at muninetworks.org or ilsr.org and help us continue sharing these great stories. Now here's Chris, Sabrina, and Karen. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with three great people from a new organization called Upgrade Seattle. I'll start by introducing Sabrina Roach, someone who's been organizing this both in her professional capacity with brown paper tickets, as well as in her personal capacity as a bit of a passion for her. So welcome to the show, Sabrina. Hi, Chris. Thanks for doing this. We also have Devin Glazer as well. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And we also have Karen Toring. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Well, I'm really excited because I think Seattle is an incredibly vibrant community where we could see a lot of exciting things happen. Um, But let's start by just asking, what is Upgrade Seattle? And Devin, why don't you uh, kick it off? Upgrade Seattle uh, is basically an all-grassroots group of people who are really excited about pushing for our municipal broadband utility here in the city of Seattle. Um, We've been kicking around the idea about maybe building utility. They've tried out lots of different false starts, and we're here to really push to actually get the network built so that the city has its own um, owned and operated utility for all residents of the city. Um, We're a very high-tech city. We're very famous for being, um, you know, Amazon and Microsoft's backyard and everything. But there's still a lot of neighborhoods that don't have access to um, either Internet at all or high-speed Internet. And then regardless of where we are, many of us feel like our Internet's too slow or too expensive. So we're really trying to tap into that that need to build something for ourselves um, and for the future. And anything, uh, Sabrina or Karen, would you like to add on to that at all? I think that a lot of people um, sort of see Seattle as a place where technology and wealth kind of thrive. But the reality of it is that I think if if we're able to do this, create a municipally owned broadband for the city of Seattle in a place where you would think that it already happens, I think it would be a model for other cities around the country to do the same. Because, you know, as Devin said, there's a large portion of the community, even with all of this wealth, even with all of this technology, that are on the wrong side of the digital divide. Um, and so it, 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 it happens here, and it's probably happening in other cities all over the country um, in greater numbers. 
Thank you, Karen. And uh, Sabrina, did you want to weigh in at all regarding your um, sort of what, what goals you bring to uh, this effort? Our Department of Information Technology has a community technology uh, program, and they uh, do reports every few years on digital inclusion in Seattle. And our latest report that came out late last spring shows that um, 93,000 Seattle residents don't have access to the Internet in their home. One of the things that we often see when people are talking about better networks is a lot of times it's about gigabit. It's about um, being uh, being able to spur economic development. But I'm hearing more of a discussion about equity and being able to make sure everyone in the community has good Internet access. And, and Karen, is that is that right? Is that a bigger motivator for you? Well, yeah, and you know, it's it's just practical organizing because when the least of us do better, everybody does better. And uh, so we're talking, you know, in in some of the communities that we're working in, uh, for example, you know, people are using the internet to fill out job applications. They're using the internet. Um, when my son was in school, all of his homework and all of his attendance. All of his grades were Internet-based. So if I didn't have access to the Internet, then I could not do my job as a parent to basically monitor my son's activity in school. And that, my son graduated, my son's 25. So that was, you know, what, uh, six years ago. More and more of our daily services, to be quite truthful, many of the, the, the ways we interact with the city of Seattle are online. Um, and so, you know, what we are talking about is certainly having fiber to the home, having gigabit speed. But, you know, within that, we're just basically talking about that last mile, which none of the private entities have wanted to build for the least vulnerable of our community. So the marketplace is not working for those folks. Um, you know, certainly the, the businesses that, you know, want gigabit speed and the, the users who, you know, are, are, you know, creators or gamers or doing, you know, um, work that requires high broadband capacity um, need it. But first, let's take care of those folks that are just trying to get a job. You know, the, there, there's, a, there's a lot of rhetoric out there about how poor people don't want to work. But if you have to fill out a job application, if you have to get on the bus, go to the library to fill out a job application on a computer that you can only use for 90 minutes, you're making our most vulnerable community work the hardest to pull themselves up out of poverty. Right. I think and that's on top of often uh, language barriers and other challenges that you have when you're when you're in a big city with the kind of cosmopolitan population that you have. Absolutely. When the city of Seattle did their digital indicators report that they published last spring, they weren't entirely clear on how many immigrant refugee families didn't have access to the home. So they they did report that the number was higher for them. So while we have this 93,000 number for, for folks in Seattle who don't have access to the Internet at home, they did acknowledge that that number is, is higher with immigrant refugee families.
we're still focused. I mean, equity is kind of the, the number one concern, but uh, gigabit internet is very much the internet of tomorrow, if it's not already the internet of today. So in bringing everybody up to the same level, they shouldn't be stuck on one megabit per second or five megabits per second. We want people to actually have access to the technologies that let them succeed in the future economy. I think if we were to say we want everyone to have the internet, but it wasn't actually quality internet, then we'd bring them up to a level and then the rest of the community would then surpass them again, leaving them again on the wrong side of the divide. So we're just excited about gigabit internet as some of the other cities around. We just want to make sure that everyone has access to it because right now, basically no one does, um, but particularly those disenfranchised have no access. And I think there's a it's a compelling vision to say we're going to focus on making sure that everyone has that that basic access. And I'm curious what steps you've outlined as part of Upgrade Seattle. Um, what are you doing to move us in that direction? Well, first of all, it's it's an evolving campaign. We are purposefully leaving some of it really open-ended so that we can get community input on it. We're going to be doing a series of neighborhood study sessions so that we can talk about what is municipal broadband, why is it important that we have a city-owned and operated internet utility. Overall, the strategy I think a lot about is how do we feed that all-city conversation and uh, how does it play out in local media? So that means really good relationships with um, various journalists around town who are willing to cover this issue, um, as well as civic events, um, various institutions that are recognized for their all-city conversation. And then there's the in-the-neighborhood strategy. Seattle has just moved to a neighborhood district um, city council rather than all-city city council people. Folks with Upgrade Seattle who live in these different districts are running point on those neighborhood study sessions. And then the third prong would be the discussion among various identity and affinity groups as well as different arts and culture circles. I think it's really important that we include culture work element to this because we want to recognize and feed that sense of inevitability. And I think one of the places where we do that slowly uh, so that grows momentum over time is in those, those, those circles. I think that the Internet service providers in Seattle, the incumbents, are going to probably throw a lot of money at this. We already see them improving their service, making higher speeds available, and we, we want to see more of that. I think that's a great side benefit to, to running a campaign like this. They're going to be throwing money at this, and I think that authentic relationship building and those study sessions are one of the best ways to to fight that. There's great strength at the neighborhood level doing grassroots organizing. So we're in a good place just, A, with the recent FCC ruling. I think it kind of shows that nationally, uh, movement is on our size. It's moving towards cities building out their own networks. This is the uh, the ruling uh, regarding North Carolina and Tennessee, where they're restoring local authority and the, all the statements that I think um, Chairman Wheeler and a number of others have been making in support of municipal approaches. Mm, yes, definitely. It's, it's, it's kind of showcasing that we're really seeing this as something that cities can do for themselves in a way that private companies haven't really picked up the, the challenge, so to speak. Um, and then we're seeing that, you know, Obama's come out for it. Um, Seattle's in a place where actually we don't have any state-level um, barriers preventing this city alone, but there are other cities in the state that, that are preempted. And so we have state legislators that are interested in working with us. Um, right now, the entire city council is up for re-election, and they've all been very open to hearing about what we could do with the public internet network. 
everything's coming together right now amongst people who actually could help vote in this network, and that feels pretty good. But a lot of that's based on the support we have from the community, um, from all the different neighborhoods, from all the different organizations. Right. I think you know you you have this this wonderful opportunity in some ways because some people are organizing where there's not a lot of existing support uh, within the city council, or they may not have a municipal utility that would be supportive. But Seattle's uh, you're one of those rare large cities that actually has its own municipal electric. So there are a number of things uh, going your way already. Um, so it gives you a little bit more hope, perhaps. And, and Karen, let me ask you if there's anything that you wanted to to contribute in terms of uh, um, what the path forward is? Well, I think Sabrina brought up a really good point just in terms of, you know, what we're going to what we're going to see, even just by launching this effort by our little grassroots group saying, let's see if this is possible. We're already seeing improved services from the incumbent operators. And I don't think that's going to change. I think what people are going to see, you know, even if we are successful with building municipal broadband, municipally owned and operated broadband here in Seattle, is that we're going to see the other providers step up their game everybody's going to get better service because the competition is going to be there. People are going to know that they really do truly have options. They can go with municipal broadband or they can go with a private provider, but that private provider is really going to have to bring something more valuable than what they have given us in the past. And what they have given us in the past is higher rates, They've turned down the spigot because that's the other thing is they could actually open the portal more than they are, but they have decided to create scarcity around bandwidth, and it's going to be their undoing. You have to remember that these are the same people that said to us when we were working on the Telecommunications Act that no one will ever watch television on their computer. Well, they were wrong then. And I think they're going to be wrong now. It's always good to get a sense of the history from people who are um, who have been at this for a long time, Karen. Um, I'm, I'm curious if I could just ask each of you, and I'd like to start with Karen. Um, you know, if there's a just a brief um, way you can describe why you're personally motivated to be um, putting so much effort into something that, that, quite honestly, I mean, this is a real long term kind of of effort. This, uh, you know, I, I think it's important. Um, but I'm, I'm curious what motivates you. That's the other thing that I, I'm really hoping that we can uh, insert in our community organizing work. This kind of work and what we saw with the most recent victory with the, with the FCC, you know, took at least a decade and hundreds of thousands of signatures and thousands of people, you know, working um, in their own neighborhoods, in their own communities to put out that sort of that common voice to put that pressure. So here in Seattle, I feel like we may not win this first time around, but um, as one of our city council members said to us earlier, you know, this idea is not new to the city of Seattle. Previous administrations have brought this idea to the forefront and previous mayors have you know, exhibited some kind of limited support for it. Um, and our response to it, well, maybe the timing wasn't right. Um, so I think that people need to, you know, sort of be prepared 
for this to take a minute. I mean, I feel like the other communities that did this work, like our Chattanoogas and our, you know, and our Wilson, North Carolinas, they didn't just start last month doing this organizing to come to the, you know, to the place where they are today. And I think Seattle has to expect for this process to uh, be stretched out because there's there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake for the uh, the people in our community, and there's a lot at stake also for uh, the private service providers that are in our city. Devin, let me ask you why why are you motivated to do this work? I've been kind of following the, the different murmurings of people who wanted to build out a public network for over eight years now. Um, it was just kind of a great idea I heard back in 06, 07 when people were running for mayor then. Um, and it's still exciting just on its own. I mean, personally, of course, I'd love to just have better access to the internet for less, um, but also realizing that there's so many other people in the community that don't have access to basically the, the backbone you need to take part in the local economy. I feel like it's, it's just a need, and I tend to be pretty motivated to take care of, you know, this community and help build it up and, and build it up for the future. So excited about what we can build for ourselves so that we're more um, self-sustainable more ready to reach into the future, more economically successful than we already are. We're pretty well here, so I think we're at a place where we can really build some new infrastructure for the future. Suffice it to say that, you know, it is part of my everyday life, and um, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself, you know, a, a super user, but a life with, without access to the internet for me would seriously hamper a lot of the things that I do in the world, you know, just as a, as a human being and as an organizer. And Sabrina, let me ask you um, that as well. This issue is very personal to me because of how it's impacted my family, as well as how it's impacted our communities here that I've, I've, I've seen through media justice and media reform work over the years. Our family runs a, a small business in, in Seattle in the industrial area, used forklift trucks and heavy machinery parts, and we've been running it for, for 45 years. And due to changes in the industry, a reliable Internet connection is very important to this family business. For years, my father knew that there was conduit right outside the doorstep of, of his business, and um, he couldn't get... CenturyLink to respond to his request for, for service. And it took the NBC affiliate in Seattle interviewing me about Upgrade Seattle for my dad to get a call. And no one should have to have their daughter get media attention about a, a project like this to, to get a call back from a company. Well, you, you could have waited until Father's Day and made something of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've also had first-hand experience of intimidation by Comcast in, in our town. Comcast has made strategic multi-year investments in uh, local nonprofits. And my former partner used to work at a girls' uh, media organization called Real Girls. And um, they did a tweet totally in alignment with their social media policy uh, that was critical of Comcast um, hiring Meredith Atwell Baker. So, so basically, the organization um, retweeted something from Free Press that was being critical about it, and added some of their own commentary. And Comcast pulled about seventeen thousand dollars from them that they used for their their girls' media summer program. And media justice, media reform community around the country really stepped up. But, but that's 
really concerning that Comcast would be that retaliatory. So I'm concerned with this this campaign that if some of those nonprofits that receive funding from Comcast and the other ISPs, I, I'm just very concerned. Will they be able to speak out about issues that are important to their communities? How how will they be silenced by these donations? In fact, uh, it was just a, I just saw a notice that the um, one of the Boy Scout troops that had supported the Comcast merger with Time Warner Cable. Uh, was rewarded with uh, millions of dollars. I think a uh, personal um, uh, from one of the uh, a personal donation from one of the executives that allowed them to build something new. And uh, it's just it's a reminder of what you're saying in terms of I mean there's there's nothing new to this. Rockefeller did the same things as he was pillaging um, and hurting our economy. Um, so you know I'm I'm absolutely in alignment with you. But uh, one of the questions that that comes to me as we talk about this is how other people are reacting when you share this vision with them. And, uh, and Devin, you had mentioned earlier pre- in the pre-call that, that you thought you had some interesting reactions. So let me, let me ask you, how do people react when you tell them about what you want to do in Seattle? I mean, overwhelmingly enthusiastically and occasionally with expletives. Internet really is utility. No one I know tries to go without it at all. And they've all dealt with very frustrating service, um, both just in pricing, both in customer service, and then in the actual quality of service they're getting people aren't really happy with what they're getting. And so I think no one really thought that they could build up their own network or that the city could provide the service instead of a private company that doesn't seem to care too much. And so once you kind of plant that idea in their head, you just see like a light bulb go off because they're so excited about what they could possibly have. Um, we, we all kind of know that we're not getting a good deal, but we also don't really see how to get out of that system. And I think a publicly owned, publicly operated city internet could really provide a way out for people that feel trapped with their current service. So just a whole lot of enthusiasm. I'm cognizant that we're running a little bit over, but I want to um, ask a final question, which is the role of other cities. And I'm, I'm curious to what extent you've had contact with people in, in other cities that are trying to do something similar or, or sharing lessons with you. Well, Chris, you've put me in contact with folks in uh, Baltimore as well as in Louisiana who um, are working on these issues. I've also gotten calls from folks in Buffalo, New York, and and Portland, Oregon. And I'm looking forward to us all creating a bit of a a learning community around this, sharing strategies, um, sharing information, and generally supporting each other in this work. Um, And I think there's some sort of event with a very, uh, very handsome and um, and very modest (laughs) um, public commentator on some of these issues coming up. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure. Our Upgrade Seattle launch event will be at Town Hall Seattle on uh, June 18th. We do have you, Chris, coming to town, and also uh, Hollis Longwear, one of our local um, arts and culture leaders, will also be doing um, a strategy session at that event. You and Hollis will be talking, and then at the second half of the event, we'll break out into um, groups by um, city council district and start mapping out what kinds of events they can do in their their neighborhoods. Excellent. Thank you. And let me just give you a chance, Karen. Did you have any final thoughts? I think that Seattle's ready. We've been doing some pretty good work out in the community. And as Devin said, whenever we talk about this idea of municipal broadband, um, people get excited. Um, And I I just think the time is, is, is pretty ripe in Seattle. Terrific. Well, thank you all for coming on the show and and telling us about Upgrade Seattle. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. 
Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We are at Community Nets. Thank you to Person for the Song Blues Walk, licensed through Creative Commons. Thank you for listening and have a great day.